I'm Jason Notoris, and this is SPE Talks to Yoga Shri Pradhan. Really excited to have our guest in here today, Yoga Shri. I look at your resume and, and I ponder to myself, what do you do in your free time? Well, thanks for asking that. I'm a huge fan of beach body programs and I like to work out when I get the chance. Last year, I adopted a cat, so I enjoy spending time with my cat. Living in West Texas, I go on weekend trips and I go hiking. When I travel, I want to go somewhere as far as possible from the city and I do some outdoor activities. Usually the first place I don't go to is a, is a metropolitan area or directly downtown. Well, and it's funny we talk about free time and I'm actually stunned that <laughs> you're able to do all of that because I imagine you don't actually have much free time. A uh, petroleum engineer with backgrounds in production, completions, reservoir, get out a dozen publications with your name on them and just about as many industry awards too. SPE's Young Engineer of the Year, a hackathon champion. Um, I'm sure there's a fun story behind that. Student paper contest winner. You volunteer, you're a mentor. Um, so when, when we talk about everything you've done, um, I've run into other individuals who have said, you know, it's almost like Yoga Shri has 10, 15 years in the oil and gas industry already. What's been driving you to achieve all these results? Jason, I'm very passionate about this industry. I learned about petroleum engineering when I was in an all-girls engineering camp, and that was hosted by University of Houston. It was called Gray Camp. We had professionals from different engineering disciplines to talk to the high schoolers about how rewarding it is to have an engineering career. Interacting with people that worked in the oil and gas industry during those sessions made me learn how much of a difference petroleum engineers make in the community. I wanted to apply my engineering interests and be a part of an industry that helps that community. I'm also fortunate to meet oil and gas professionals through SPE events who eventually became mentors for me. I was in a program in high school where we were tasked to write a research paper relating to the industry and that we were interested at the time and then find work experience the next semester applying that research. My first mentor saw my research and he became my first mentor because he was the only one that responded to my cold emails as a high school senior. And I reached out to multiple companies at the time, but he saw my research on my attempt on learning about CO2 flooding. And he offered me my first spring and summer internships. Claude Thorpe, he actually works for Sierra Hamilton. He's my, he was my first mentor. But there were many mentors like him that lead by example with volunteering, sharing technical findings in conferences, and mentoring young professionals like myself. They all, all of those mentors, and especially my first mentor, they inspire me to give back. And that's a, a cycle that we've seen a lot too with the mentorship program. Once you've received that advice and you've created that bond with a mentor, you stay in touch with them. It's great for networking, but then you do have that that sense of responsibility to give back and, and kind of pay it forward. I agree. And I think after applying the skills that I've gotten from those mentors, I've had people with that were a couple years of experience or that they just re, they just graduated from, from university. They would ask me, well, what were some of the tips I'd have in, in networking? That was a realization for me that, man, these were the same questions that I was asking to mentors when I first learned about the oil and gas industry. And now I get to be in their shoes. So that, that was very eye-opening for me. And, and it felt 
it felt very rewarding that I could that I could share those experiences to to those who who were just starting or those that are studying right now. I think one of the places you've been very successful in doing that is LinkedIn. And that's one of the big reasons we wanted to talk to you is about building your own brand online. And and I think you've done a remarkable job positioning yourself as, you know, a reliable connection. And is something, if you have any tips or advice that you could share with the listeners about strategy, did you have any from day one? Do you continue to evolve the strategy? How did you get into LinkedIn? It's interesting that you, that you asked that. I wanted to approach this where I didn't want to prescribe on what people should do because I think people should be comfortable with the strategy that they take. So I want to go ahead and start with my, my own experiences. I go back to my first mentor. One of the first things he suggested me to do before my spring internship in high school was to get a LinkedIn profile and learn to build my network. Then I got the opportunity to go to SP events in the Gulf Coast section and attend a couple conferences and short courses. So as someone who's a senior in high school going into these short courses and never have taken a college class in petroleum engineering before, I was way in over my head. But the good thing was, is that I was able to meet many professionals to keep in touch with on, on LinkedIn. I asked a lot of questions to help me get some context in these technical events. I kept that practice in university and afterwards, and I continued to keep in touch with people. Maintaining those relationships ended up having the mentors that I had introduce me to other professionals in the industry. I also learned from other oil and gas professionals and other career development events in university on how to build my brand, joining groups that I like, following industry experts and reading their posts and then sharing some of my interests on LinkedIn were, were some of the things that worked for me. So it's a combination of attending SP events, maintaining relationships and actively searching learning material that helped me. That's a really good breakdown. I also like when professionals are sharing their articles, you find on LinkedIn, people are a little bit more open. I don't know about you. I get probably a solid five to 10 connection requests a day. And I feel bad. And this is advice that I actually got from one of my mentors that said that if you're going to connect with someone on LinkedIn, make sure you include that personal note. So they know where they met you, whether it was at a training seminar, or if it was at a luncheon or a conference. And so I think if you're looking to connect with people on LinkedIn, that's just one of my personal tips. Is there something that you've seen or you've come across that you've kind of run into when it comes to connecting with someone that you want to share? Well, Jason, you, you hit the, you hit the main points where whenever you do make a LinkedIn request, it's very important to make sure you provide that personal note or at least provide a reminder that you've, that, that you've met that, that you, you've met that connection or you've met that person at a conference or an event, or if it's an article someone's posted and that you haven't met before, I mean, I still think you can go ahead and send a connection request, but make sure to add a note that, addressing that intention of where that connection request came from, that perhaps you can learn a lot from that person who has, who has shared that article, or perhaps you have a question about a paper that they've written and you, you, you wanted to get more context of that, of that SPE paper or the article that they, that they recently published, but making sure of, 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 of why you're intending to connect with that person. I also agree. That's important. So yoga Shree, do you find yourself, branding yourself differently online versus in person. So let, let's imagine a scenario. Uh, you're about to speak on a panel. Do you promote yourself on LinkedIn before, after, during? 
How does that message differ from the language and the verbiage you'll be using to speak at the event? What changes do you usually implement? I try to be consistent, whether if I'm online or in person. And it's a privilege to get invited to speak on, on panels. It, if it's a conference or if it's a panel where I'll be meeting people that I've not met in a while, I do post on LinkedIn before the event. If I haven't gotten the chance to catch up with people that I've connected with on LinkedIn, I post after as well. I try to sound conversational on LinkedIn and during a panel. And of course, I'll have to add more explanation or address a larger audience on social media than during a live event. It also depends on the type of event. Most events I've had the privilege being on a panel for is for university students sharing my story on networking and how to get internships. The content and therefore the language would be different compared to when I'm on a technical panel. Do want to add that work experience ranges of the audience is much larger when, when you're on a technical panel. Yeah. And I think that's a smart approach to take um, almost altering the language to your audience versus maybe the platform as much. So routines are important for, for many of us. Uh, I, I personally find them to be pretty big time savers. Walk us through one of your favorite routines and how it kind of helps you set up your procedure and how you're going to operate. For communications, I have a couple routines, one in for in-person and the one for online communication. So I'll start with in-person. If it's someone I know, I start with a request or a comment that I need some help or I need some guidance. I also mentioned that I would like to bounce ideas or seek someone's input. At the end of the conversation, I summarize what the resolve is, or if I gave myself homework to do, uh, I'll set those action items for myself. Um, if it's someone I don't know, I'd make the introduction and start with a question based on a talk that person gave, or if we have a mutual connection. I'm an active listener where if I'm explaining something new, I make sure to regurgitate the response to make sure I understood the answer. I make sure to follow the standard networking protocol, business cards and follow communication. I personally need to keep up with my email follow-up, but that's where the LinkedIn connection request comes in handy. If it's an email, whether if I met them in person or, or before or not, I start with why I'm emailing to keep myself focused on the message. I also make it clear that I would like feedback, input, or, or a response from the communication. And if it's someone I don't know from the email, I make sure to introduce myself and give context of how I got their email address or remind them which event that we, that we met at. And has this approach changed over time at all? I mean, I know time's kind of relative, but in between three years ago versus last year versus even three months ago, have you adapted along the way? I have adapted quite a bit. I was, I, with different work experiences and communication styles, I learned how to adapt to, to different or to different forms of communication, whether if it's online or whether if it's in person or on LinkedIn. And I had to learn how to picture myself in the shoes of the recipient. Like what information do they know? What do they not know? And then after transitioning from high school to university, the, the audience is, of course, broader because students, faculty, and, of course, recruiters, they don't all come from Houston. And finally, I got checkpoints in every internship and full-time job, like I talked about before. They, they were all different environments, different locations, different communication styles. So I learned by experience when but people sought more clarification, whether if it's in person or whether if it's through email. And I also learned how to seek clarification if I didn't understand something at first hand. So you're saying checkpoints, 
clarification and walking in someone else's shoes. See, I, I can regurgitate too and make sure that, that I use one of your tips from earlier in making sure that you're responding with what the, what the people are saying. You're right on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel smarter already. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about SPE. So earlier in your career, you were pr- pretty keen to be active in SPE activities and programs. How has that helped you develop your career and your brand? SPE has been integral in developing my career and developing my brand. I found mentors through these events. I found professionals pointing me to the right resources and they always gave me feedback, whether if I've asked for it or not. I always met someone new and I learned from everyone that I've talked to and connected with. I found a community that introduced me to subjects in petroleum engineering that I'm passionate about and that helped me build my brand because I was actively finding the information and I would share it with others. Do you have a, a memory or an occurrence in SPE where there was just kind of this moment where it clicked and you knew what you were doing was exactly what you want to be doing in that moment? I think I had that moment pretty early and it goes back to my, my first mentor where I didn't know that I would get the opportunity to attend a digital oil energy conference or OTC before, before attending university. And after when my mentor introduced me to other young professionals in these events or or suggested I sit in on a short course, I think it was sitting in on short courses and in, in, in topics that I, that I never had prerequisite classes before and asking questions to, to either industry professionals or the professor who was, who was teaching that short course that, that clicked for me because they were so eager to respond to my questions or I think they were excited to have somebody who, uh, who already decided that she wanted to pursue petroleum engineering in, in university. I think the passion from others answering my questions or the passion for others pointing to the right resources or giving me, or giving me information to to learn more about the industry uh, was was a was a was an inflection point where I definitely wanted to study more in the short course that I was attending, or I I definitely want to be the the industry professional to 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 give back to other people when, if I'm asked similar questions. Do you remember that moment when you first walked in to OTC at NRG? Just the um, it could have been reliant at the time that you first walked in just the awe. I remember my first moment walking into OTC and I was just overwhelmed with the amount of, of people that were there and the amount of opportunity that was available. Do you remember that for you? I do remember that. And this was 2011 where, uh, where you're the, it was one of the few years in OTC where you had, you had the highest attendance so seeing all the exhibitions, walking through the exhibition floors, all the technology and having different networking events running at the same time. I mean, it was, I wasn't overwhelmed by it as much as how excited I was about it because I, I am the first in my family to, to be in the oil and gas industry. So I wasn't exposed to it up until I was selected for that mentorship program in high school. And then subsequently uh, being in a in an all girls engineering camp and meeting oil and gas professionals for the first time 
I, I had small doses of it, those interactions with oil and gas professionals. And that was enough for me to, to be passionate about petroleum engineering. So I, I felt like I found my environment when I first walked into that large conference. <laughs> in, well, in that camp that you just mentioned too, I know that one of your passion projects is women in STEM. How have you seen that grow in the area these past few years? I, I'm sure you have some pretty interesting perspective from that of how you've grown your own career. I'm so glad you you, you asked that question because it was a program that was dedicated to promoting women in STEM that helped me choose petroleum engineering. In a short period of time, that's been my exposure to the oil and gas industry. I have seen some noticeable growth. When I graduated from UT four years ago, our petroleum engineering department's freshman class had the highest female population compared to any other incoming class that we saw. I got to see the first female get appointed as CEO in a, in a large oil and gas company, which is Vicki Hall of Anoxy. That was four years ago. I've been a part of SP International's Women in Energy, and we've been making an effort to nominate more women for technical awards at SPE. In fact, that was our annual goal, and we were able to successfully do that. I see more women being recognized, such as we had our first Women in Hydraulic Fracturing Awards ceremony at the Hydraulic Fracturing Technology Conference of almost two years ago. And that was right before that front conference. There was Women in Academia that was featured in JPT a couple months ago, and that was well-received when I, not just when I shared it, but I think that was well-received by those who do have those first or second degree connections with those women. We also started a Women in Hydraulic Fracturing study group, or SPE started that, and that's spearheaded by four women who have made significant technical contributions to the industry, and they set the stage for promoting women in technical lead positions. I think the last thing I want to say is I do see more women in my level of experience and who are younger than me. They're supportive of each other and they apply the skills of assertiveness and in the workplace that were encouraged. Um, the first thing I think about, they were encouraged by women that that were in, that are in senior leadership and they were featured in the March of JPT. They provided a list of tips on um, how to, on, on how women can assert themselves more in the workplace or how they shared their experience to help them get to where they wanted to be. So I do see a growing effort and I agree that needs to be continued because while I do think that work needs to be continued, I, I think we are, we are really far from being done. And I personally, I have to thank you for the initiative too, because I have a young daughter and you're the kind of role model that I hope she does look up to. Um, I'm just so excited to see the opportunities that she's going to have that I know even a few decades ago, her mom didn't have those opportunities. So I'm excited to see the world that she's growing up in. And I wanted to, to honestly just say thank you to you for that. Well, I appreciate those kind words. Um, I, I just want to return the favor and want to thank my mentors who, who really showed me how, how wonderful this industry is especially when it terms that comes to social responsibility and then, um, and they, and we do make an effort to, to promote more women in, in, in STEM. And there's one other program that, that you have a, a pretty key role in. We want to discuss the SPE CARES program, but first a uh, reminder that SPE members get a 50% up to a 50% discount, I should say, in the SPE bookstore. Visit store.spe.org to look for your next reading material and watch out for SPE's new book, Hydraulic Fracturing, Fundamentals and Advancement, available in the bookstore in November 2019. 
So Yogeshree, you co-founded SPE Cares, and that's a section-by-section initiative. Where did you get the inspiration for this? This was about four years ago. It was a friend of mine, and I actually made this friend when Petrobol had their, their layout for regionals. That's when we met. We had a passion for Petrobol, and we became friends ever since. And he actually graduated from Penn State two years ago. His name is Anirudh Guru. He ran an idea with me like a couple months after that Petrobol competition. It was about an initiative where conference attendees give back to the city that a conference venue was held. And we thought that that was a pretty good idea because of the reputation that the oil and gas industry gets from, from those that are not familiar with the industry. So that improves community engagement and it improves social responsibility. At the time, we didn't know how to coordinate or how well received that the idea would be from, from SPE or, or from others. So we ran the idea through the Gulf Coast section and we thought the best way to start an event like this was from the grassroots. So once we shared this with the Gulf Coast section, we actually had a number of interested volunteers that, that liked the idea and they suggested an existing venue. It was an existing beach cleanup that happened the weekend right before the, the Houston ATCE. And it was, a, it was, a, it was there for, for the beach cleanup. And this was probably the highest attendance the beach cleanup experienced because of the, the concept of SP cares and, and, having, and having many interested committees be a part of coordinating and, and being a part of executing the, this, this idea. So the high attendance was well received by, by the SP local section. And then we were given the opportunity to present to, to SPI, the, one of our the board meetings on how to execute SP cares for the Dubai ATCE. So that was a tree planting event in, in Dubai. We had more volunteers than the, than the previous event. And we had members from all over for, from that represented many SP regions around the world. It was a rewarding experience for them, not just giving back to the community the, the weekend before the, the ATC conference, but they were able to make pretty meaningful connections. And as a result of that, that's when we realized how, how active local sections are around the world are in, with respect to community service and improving social engagement. Like up, to, up until today, I see people posting hashtag SP cares. Whenever they're whenever they're executing their their community service events, whether if it's a student chapter or whether if it's a, a local a local section, it's very it's it's been very great to see. It's been very rewarding to 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 look at. Yeah, I can I can say commenting as someone who helps manage SPE social media platforms that the SPE cares hashtag along with the hashtag we are SPE is very very popular. And as someone who is employed by SPE. I love seeing these images and these stories come in from the amazing impact that the sections and chapters are doing in their local area, whether it is through SPE cares or other volunteer opportunities. This is just, this is a great initiative. Uh, I love to see it. I love seeing members get involved and thank you so much for um, helping contribute to making this happen. Oh, well, thank you. Um, And I also like to thank a lot of the, I mean, all the volunteers that are, that are really passionate about this organization and are, that are passionate about giving back to the community. I mean, it started out with running an idea, but I, it, it takes a, it takes a whole group of people to to be on board and to and to execute an, an idea like this and then and to carry it on. Well, Yogeshree, you've been amazing with us today. Thank you so much for coming on. Where's a good place for someone to connect with you? Is it LinkedIn, email, website? It would be it would most likely be through through LinkedIn. 
through LinkedIn and, and, and through my email. Okay. So we're going to include uh, important links and resources from today's show in the show notes. So anyone who needs to access any of the, the topics we've talked about, we'll include the links in there. Thank you so much for being here. I also, I can't let you go <laughs> without giving you a congrats and a shout out for your recent acceptance into Mensa, right? Oh, well, thanks for calling me out on that. <laughs> I was actually surprised about it myself. I actually had a fellow Mensen who is one of our senior staff reservoir engineers at, at the company or at, at Endeavor. She actually encouraged me to, to take the test. I actually learned about this organization two years ago and actually during my coding boot camp where there were other there were a couple months since there. My curiosity piqued me and I and I thought, oh, I mean, there's there's no loss in, in, in trying. And um, it, again, that, that was a surprise for me, but I, I still hold by the concept of grit. I, I do feel like grit helped me open a lot more doors for, for opportunities. Well, and I love that motto too. I mean, there, there is, there's nothing wrong with trying. Um, one of the, one of the mottos I grew up with in sports was, you know, you miss hundred percent of the shots you never take. So there you go. And, and for those who don't know, Mensa, it's a society for anyone with an IQ in the top 2% of the global population. <laughs> so basically, please listen and apply what Yogashree has been saying here today, uh, where it works best for you, because um, she's a pretty smart person. Well, thank you for having me. Let's keep the conversation going. Use the hashtag SPE podcast on all your social media channels to connect there. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. Just search SPE podcast on iTunes, Spotify, tune in, leave your comments and reviews. We love hearing from you. We're also online at SPE.org slash podcast. Special thanks to this episode's guest, Yogeshree Pradhan. I'm Jason Atoris, and thanks for listening. SBE Podcast is powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers, the largest individual member organization serving managers, engineers, scientists, and other professionals worldwide in the upstream segment of the oil and gas industry. Learn more at sbe.org.